The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good night. Welcome to the Catherine Zox Show. This informative and entertaining show will start your mornings off on the right foot. Here's your host, Catherine Zox, your social worker with the microphone. Welcome to the Catherine Zox Show. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you're listening to the Catherine Zox Show on VoiceAmericaVariety.com and World Talk Radio. And as most of you know, you can listen to us live every Wednesdays, 10 to 11 Eastern Time, and at the end of the day, we archive the show and you can listen to it anytime. So this morning, I have two guests. My first guest is the author of Mar- is the author of 50 Ways to Play, BDSM for Nice People. And yes, BDSM stands for Bedroom Sadomasochism for Nice People. Um, the authors are Deborah and Don McLeod. They're a husband and wife team. Uh, but we're going to be talking to Deborah this morning, and she's going to talk to us about her book, which has been featured in the New York Times, USA Today, and... Their work, Deborah and Dawn, husband and wife team, experts on uh, edgy and adventurous sex for nice people, was awarded Best in Bed by Women's Health Magazine. So they've got all the credentials besides being a husband and wife team. Second guest is Wendy Wright, and she's going to talk to me about her new app called Crazy Busy Tips for the iPhone. Uh, which is a uh, an app based on Dr. Ned Hollowell's bestseller by the same name. He's a psychiatrist uh, for children and adults. Um, and the Crazy Busy app treats culturally induced ADD by helping families get everything they need to do completed. So we've got a lot of how-tos today in the bedroom and also on the Internet. But first, welcome to the show. Nice to have you on this morning, Deborah. Hello. Thanks for having me. So you're on the show today without your husband. That's the way to do it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but not the way to do it. I guess in the bedroom, like this is no, like really, no, no, <laughs> no. Got fifty ways to play, um, and I think most of us, and and uh, I, particularly American culture, we need to kind of refresh ourselves with our partners. Fifty ways to play. How to keep you know, uh, stay sexy in the bedroom, be satisfied. I think most, and I'm going to speak for my experience with friends and stuff, I mean, they're always talking about how boring it is, how routine their sex is, so I assume this book addresses all of those issues. You know, it does, and that's really our demographic. I mean, there's certainly sex guys out there for people that, you know, want the really, really edgy stuff, you know. Our sex guides tend to be geared toward longer-term couples, mainstream couples for the most part, couples that... You know, really, it's it's what you said. It's it's boredom, it's exhaustion, it's familiarity, it's those kind of things that are really becoming a barrier to sex, as opposed to just you know not liking each other anymore, that kind of thing. But trying to balance the house and you know a husband and wife and kids and pets and you know housework and work and all that kind of stuff. That's a real juggling act, and it and it's exhausting. Deborah, one of the problems is, and I think you you mentioned this in the book, Mm -hmm. and I see this as a real problem, especially as a social worker and having dealt with families and couples and actually done some sex therapy many years ago myself, uh, 
child-centered marriages. That's what seems to be prevalent in the United States. I think you're in Canada, right? I don't know yes. if it's the same thing, but this child-centered marriage, yes. focusing everything on the children, all their activities, all their stuff, and leaving very little uh, between the couple. You know, that's so true, and I don't know why that is. And you know, you know when you really see that? You see that on Valentine's Day. I remember I wrote an article on this. I went into the Shoppers Drug Mart up here in Canada, and I was looking for a card for my husband, and you know I couldn't find a good one. All I could find was kid stuff, stuffies and things for your kids and chocolates for your kids. There was hardly anything that was kind of racy or, you know, you have to go someplace else to find that. But it really shows me, especially when I drop my kid off at school, and you've got the moms going in to celebrate Valentine's with the kid in the classroom, and I'm like, you know what? What you know? Every holiday is for kids. Every day is for kids in our house, right? So whatever happened to that couple-focused relationship, that romance-focused, you know, with that theme going through marriages? And you're right; you don't see it as much. There's so much focus on the kids. So where did it go? I mean, you asked the question. I'm going to just throw it back on you. Where where did it go? I mean, why are we so child-centered? Uh, and not focused on our relationship with our partners. Well, I think it's what we already touched on. I think that marriage is hard work, and maintaining a long-term sex life that you actually look forward to and you actually wanted to get into bed with, you know, I mean, that's, that takes work because you, you do become bored. You know, I've already seen you. I know what you're going to do. I know what you're going to try next. So absolutely, you, you need to try something different. And I think that it's a, it's a weird paradox thing going on, and I especially see it in North America, where you don't want to talk about sex as much, where people are shy about it and, and inhibited, and yet the stuff that's out there for sex, um, sex guides and sex toys tends to be, in some ways, kind of unrealistic. You know, it's too, it's too off the grid. It's too edgy for most people, that, you know, that are going to kind of want to spice things up. So, so it's just and, this extreme thing. I, I don't really get that. Yeah, I don't get it either. And I think, what, porn is, is the biggest, one of the, or if not the biggest money maker on the net. Uh, it's a huge business. People, mm-hmm. you know, sit there and, and I don't know if it's really probably more men than women. I'm just saying that. I don't really know the statistics. But yeah, well, I think, I think that would... would probably be true and i mean the type of porn is you know at issue too because there's certainly some type of higher quality couple focused stuff that a lot of couples are going to watch and not have a problem with but when you see the harder core stuff it's just really unrealistic so certainly something that don and i've tried to do in our books is suggest things that we that we think are realistic that we think are people are actually going to try deborah how do you tear particularly I think moms, as you say, or Mm -hmm. moms, as you say, in in Canada, how do you tear them away from the children? How do you get the first so that they can, you know, they can read your book, maybe follow some of the suggestions, and we're going to talk about those that you make uh, to enhance your one sex life. But first you have to be able to say it's okay. You know, you don't have to always be focusing on the children. So how do you do that? Well, I think two things, really. I think men need to step up and need to romance us a little more, frankly, sometimes. And I think they need to bring that sensuality and sexuality back into it. That's one thing that these that women love about this Fifty Gray, uh, Fifty Shades of Gray phenomenon. I mean, there's the spanking and the whips and chains and all that kind of stuff going on. But you know what I hear from wives is the fact that this, the way the lead looks at this woman, uh, what's her name, Anna, right? 
Mm-hmm. The way he looks at her, the way he treats her, he just, he's so in love with her and he's so, you know, fascinated by her. And me- I don't know if love is the right word, but mesmerized and, and turned on by her. And a lot of women don't feel that from their spouses. They don't feel that sort of adoration and being desired to that kind of extent. So I think that's something that men could do to kind of kickstart that. Oh, yeah, you know what? I, I am a woman, you know? I, I can do something else besides raise the kids. And it feels good to do that. The second part, I think, is, like you said, it's letting women know that it's okay. But more than that, it's saying, you know, as a, as a mom, you have an obligation to show your kids what marriage looks like and what mom and dad look like. And that is that we're, we're a family unit, you know, like we, we're running the show here. You guys are along for the, for the ride. We'd throw ourselves under a bus for you, absolutely. But, you know, husband and wife, that you need that friskiness. You need that romance, that, those open shows of love, all that kind of stuff, so that kids can see that commitment and that level of devotion between their parents. That's going to do a, a lot, I think, in my simple mind, for the divorce rate. In other words, you can. It's okay to see mom and dad kissing and hugging and holding hands. I think and it's essential. I, mean, I, I really do. You know, having a you know having a little giggle in the in the kitchen when they're washing the dishes. I mean, I think that sets up a fabulous role model for kids. And to once in a while say, you know what, you're going to grandma's or you're staying with the babysitter. Uh, you know, the Avengers was great. Spider Man was great. But we're going to go see a grown up movie and go out for a nice steak dinner, right? Not the McDonald's drive through Seeing mom and dad do those type of things I think is, is fabulous, and I do think that we have that. And, and sometimes it's not enough just to say to women it's okay to do it, but when I have them in the office, sometimes saying, you know, I think you have an obligation to do that, to show them what marriage looks like. And kids find, and I'm sure you can back me up on this, kids find incredible comfort in that, seeing that mom and dad are tight. Yeah, I, I agree with you, and uh, I raised three boys, and and I and uh, I, my experience is exactly what you're talking about. I think that's absolutely true. I think um, I, I just think the problem is people get bogged down in their every one. Of, another issue is bogged down in all their daily routines and activities, and think that that always comes first. Absolutely. Like you have to set priorities. Like you, uh, two things. One thing you just said when you have a couple in your office or the woman in your office. Um, it's all about taking responsibility for your relationship and your sex life. It doesn't just happen. It's not, no, it's it not just going to happen. And I think you emphasize that. You have to take responsibility for it. You have to make certain choices. You know, we are going out tonight. The babysitter's coming. Or you're going to grandma's or you're going to your aunt and uncle's or the next door neighbor. We need time alone, and that's okay. Absolutely. And I think sometimes forcing, you know that old saying, fake it till you make it? Sometimes I think when you force yourself to go out together or stay in and, and you know, get rid of the kids, put them, you know, let, let them go to grandma's or whatever, or a friend's for a sleepover. When you force yourself to have that couple time, you find that you enjoy it. It's like exercising, you know, you don't want to go, oh, I can't get up, I'm too tired, I ate too late. You make all kinds of excuses. But then you go and two minutes into it, you're like, yeah, this is okay. This was good. This is the best thing I could have done. So we need to have that same sort of self-discipline and self-motivation, looking at our marriages, being able to step back and say, you know what, I do sense a disconnect here, inside the bedroom, outside the bedroom, because they're often interrelated. And we need to do something proactive about that, even if we don't feel like doing it right now. Yeah, I, I agree with you, and I think one of the things you also mentioned in an interview that I had uh, read on the, on the net, and I think this is so important, something that many of us forget to do, what do our bedrooms look like? I think you discussed that. I mean, does your bedroom look like any place you really want to have mad, passionate sex, or does it look like an office, or does exactly. it look like a kid's playroom? And, you know, that's so 
it really, it just struck me because that really does affect how you feel in terms of your eroticism. My partner, of he and I went uh, to the uh, Cape this weekend, um, and we've been together for 25 years, and mm-hmm. we stayed at a hotel. The bedroom really, it was just built. The bedroom overlooked, this was a big resort, overlooked a children's playground. Mm-hmm. Uh, it had, uh, the room itself reminded me of a, an assisted living facility. <laughs> it was definitely <laughs> well, not, not conducive to mad, passionate, erotic, edgy sex. And so I kind of thought about that. You know, I think people's bedrooms tend to be that way, too. And, Absolutely. Yeah. And, I mean, why do people love Niagara Falls, right, and the honeymoon, honeymoon suite? Because they're fun and they're sexy and they're something different. I think you're absolutely right, and I've, I'm so happy you said it because I, I give that speech all the time, and I sometimes I want to bash my head in because I think nobody's listening to me. But the bedroom needs to be that sensual sanctuary, that place where you can escape with your partner and just, you know what, just let the rest of the world disappear behind the door. You absolutely need that. All right, let's take people, let's take listeners step by step. Let's say you've got your bedroom. Most people, many people have their computer in the bedroom, the television in the bedroom. Elliptical Uh, machine. How about animals in the bedroom? I I know people who sleep with their animals. Yeah, I just think that's creepy. (laughs) I don't know, because if you want to start having sex and your animal is looking at you, I just think that's, I don't know, I yeah. think that's, there's something wrong with that. I can't it's concentrate. <laughs> so I, they, you know, they jump, you know, two to the bed. That's kind of my rule. <laughs> All right, so what do we do in the bedroom? How do we make it more appealing, more sensual, more seductive? Do you have to go and just redecorate your whole bedroom? Are there certain colors that are kind of Well, you know, with colors, certainly. I mean, as a, I don't know if what article you had read, but I've said before that this all struck me a few years back when I was actually um, writing an article on a brothel, a legal brothel. And I went in and I had a, kind of a tour of the place by one of the ladies. And I, I walked into each of their separate bedrooms and it was just like I just wanted to sit down and read a book or, you know, relax. Like it was so nice. Deep, deep colors, deep purples, scarlets, you know, emeralds, sapphire, like these deep colors with really heavy drapery, velvet, like over-the-top stuff, right? And I just thought it's fabulous. Why not? Why not? I mean, people, we don't have a lot of foot traffic in our bedrooms usually, just us right? Maybe the kids once in a while when they have a bad dream or whatever, but you're not having your mother-in-law going in there and sitting and having tea. There's nothing wrong with sexing that space up a little bit. So I think that's great. You know, cushions on the bed are great. A bold color, maybe a little bit of print, maybe some nice aromatherapy, something like that. I mean, that certainly gets the senses going, a little music, all that kind of stuff. I think absolutely. Putting some nice satin sheets on the bed, you know, one of those 70s, those shag rugs, you know, those are coming back. I'm so happy about that. Putting one of those thick shag rugs on the on the floor over the laminate that you got from home hardware, all that kind of stuff, just to make this a very sensual, luxurious space, I think is a fabulous idea. So, Deborah, what about flowers? Are they a no-no? And I don't mean flowers, fresh flowers, but like flower. You know, I you, you see these kind of very feminine bedrooms with uh, a husband and wife yeah. themes. The country uh, style, yeah. Maybe, yeah. Uh, if you have two women, maybe it's different. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, um, but, man, you know, it depends. But if you have men and, you know, should men be lying in a bed of, you know, those, like, fussy <laughs> flower kinds no, of No, I think it's kind of, it's kind of outdated. It's kind of grandma-ish, right? Not that there's anything wrong with, with, with that, but with I think you need to set that mood. And when I see those kind of prints, it just takes me back to, you know, 19... 19- 
60 or 70 or something. I think doing something a little more bold, there's certainly all kinds of, you know, theories about colors and the effects they have on the psyche and the mood. And I think that's a better way to go than patterns. I just think solid colors, that kind of thing. So what about sex toys? Does everybody need a sex toy or toys? I think they're great within reason. I mean, I think that they're expensive. I think that you need to know what you're buying because a lot of them... How expensive are they? Pardon me? How expensive are they? Well, I think your average vibrator is like 80 or $90, something uh-huh. like that. So they can be really pricey, and you don't always know what the materials are made of. You know, a lot of these things are made in China. You don't know what the standards are like. So I think if you're ordering something online, you need to read the reviews. You need to know where it's made. Certainly North American or European products are best. Um, <clears throat> you need to know what kind of lubes go with it. I think standard sex toys, something like maybe a bullet vibrator, which is a lot smaller than the kind of wand type thing. I think things like that are, are great because you can use them all over the body. And I think even for the novelty and and just that sort of bringing it in and having a laugh about it or, you know, Ooh, let's try this, that can kind of get people turned on too, even if you don't use the thing or, or it doesn't work or it falls off or <laughs> whatever happens. I think if it's able to break the ice and, and get people having fun in bed, then I think it, they're a great idea. Yeah, having fun in bed, I think you said it. And I don't think this is just professionally and personally and talking to friends, girlfriends. Um, you know, I have a lot of friends who are heterosexual couples and same-sex couples both, mm-hmm. I think, suffer from exactly what you're talking about. And uh, maybe a good gift would be a vibrator for Valentine's Day instead of flowers and, and candy. Sure, why not? You know what a great gift is? Is a glass toy. Because they're, re- especially if someone is, if your partner is kind of shy about sex toys or some of them don't look very pretty. They just kind of, you know, they look almost uh, novelty-ish like something you'd get at a, I don't know, a, a gag gift or something, right? <laughs> or a bad stag at maybe, and you have to, they're making you drink through it at the bar or something, right? So right. if you want something that's a little more sophisticated, that's not going to have that kind of, ooh, what's that, right? That shouldn't be green or something like that, then glass toys are a great alternative because they look nice. They're very pretty. If you leave it out, nobody's going to know what it is. It looks like a piece of art, right? Venetian something. So I think that's a great alternative. They're also great because they hold temperature. So you can you can use them with hot water or cold water and kind of use that too, whether you're using it wherever on the body. It's a great way to play with temperature and not always relying on battery power, so to speak. Yeah, a great idea. I never really thought about glass. You're right. It looks good. It's much more sensual than plastic, as you Absolutely. say. Absolutely, and very hygienic, right? Yeah. They, they wash up really nicely. Now, we've only mentioned a couple things, two or three things, actually, how to kind of kind of get yourself going in terms of this edgy eroticism. Mm-hmm. So, but the title of the book is 50 Ways to Play. So let's, let's talk about maybe some of those that, that listeners may not have thought at, about at all. Well, what we really try to do in this book, BDSM really stands for bondage, domination, sadomasochism. So the bondage domination part of it, again, writing for long-term mainstream couples, really is using this stuff as a a fantasy-type element. You're not getting into hardcore bondage, you know, breast-binding and all this kind of stuff that that can create problems for novices. It really is just using a bit of restraint, uh, you know, blindfolds, this kind of stuff, and, and giving you ideas to get that excitement level up. Right, that sense of anticipation, what's going to happen next, and expectation, all that kind of stuff. The sadomasochism, which is more pain, you know, when people are turned on by experiencing pain or watching someone in pain, isn't something we touch on so much in the book. 
again, it's something that I don't think, I mean, I can't even go to the dentist regularly. So it's something that I think most mainstream couples, you know, and it's certainly not a judgment thing. It's just when I interviewed couples, what would you like to see in this book? That was pretty far down on the list pain in bed. Most people want to avoid it. So we really did focus on the excitement of the bondage and the restraint and really what I call high sensory sex because sex gets boring for some reason because you know what's going to happen next. You know what it feels like. You know the sensation and so on. So something like, let's say, um, sex candles. Is that that something you've heard of? Sex candles? Mm Mm-hmm. No. They're very nice. They're very safe. It's something you can buy online or at or almost any sex shops, and, and a lot of drugstores even carry them now, where they're made with a special type of wax, so it's not just your regular you know, paraffin or beeswax. They're often soy wax, something that has a cooler melting point. And you'll burn the candle, and then they'll sort of, one partner will drip it on the other's body. And it just gives that, especially if a person is restrained or blindfolded and they don't really know that's coming, and you drip it on their body, it's just that little bit of, oh, ooh, what was that, right? To kind of wake them up and, and get them going and aroused. And again, that anticipation, excitement, something unexpected. So that is the sort of thing that we suggest in this book, as opposed to the harder core elements of BDSM you know, that you'd see in a in a you know, say pro-dungeon or something, which frankly I don't think most mainstream couples are, are going to go visit. But one of the things that keeps coming to mind as you're describing these different kinds of, different ways in which to connect centrally, mm-hmm. um, anything after a while can become predictable, and that's what we're trying to stay away from, isn't it? The predictability of this whole Absolutely. thing. Absolutely. I mean, even also, the sex candles after a while, if you keep doing that every single time, and we tend to get into, and I'm kind of going back to the psychological maybe motivation, the way we behave, mm-hmm. we we tend to do what becomes comfortable and predictable, and we got to always kind of say, wait a minute, this is becoming, you know, the sex candles are becoming predictable, whatever mm-hmm. it is. We have to, like, be creative, I guess. Try Absolutely. and be yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that takes very little work when you really think about it. I mean, we're, we're smart creatures, right? Especially women. We're pretty, we're pretty clever. So I think um, just looking back, you know, what have we done recently? What haven't we done? What combination I can try? I mean, you can be having your coffee in the morning thinking about that kind of stuff when you're clear-headed and what you might want to try that night. Because what I hear from a lot of people is by the time I get to bed, I'm so exhausted. I've used up all my good thinking energy for the day. I just, I don't even have the energy to think about something new or a new approach. So frankly, if you can do that before bed, I think that's a great idea. So this is when you're in your house, we're assuming, this is uh, where your bedroom, you're at home. Now, how often do you suggest not necessarily always being in the bedroom? I mean, you can have, the, you have let's say the kids are gone at to right. grandma's or to the sitters or wherever. Right. That helps, uh, yeah. Yeah, so let's talk about it because there are lots of different rooms in which you can have a lot of fun in, not necessarily just the bedroom. Absolutely. And you know, a great space, frankly, is the floor. Why not? Do you ever see that movie, what was it, Dead Poets Society? Do you uh, yeah. remember that movie? I'm trying to remember. Were they, ha- it they was having with Ro- sex? I think it was with Robin Williams. He was a t- I think it was him. And he made all the kids in the, in the school stand up on their desk just to see something in a different way. It's, it's called, um, it's an artistic device. It's actually called defamiliarization, where you take something that you've always seen, you see all the time, and you just tweak it a little bit. You just make something different about it, 
right? I know one of the experiments they had done in Australia was they took a, a defunct bridge that everybody would cross, you know, driving by in the new bridge every day, and they covered it with a big tarp one night and then interviewed people the next morning, and, and everyone was like, I never, I never even knew that bridge was there. You know, 10 years ago, I remember it, but now I don't even notice it. So even having sex on the floor, things look different. Things feel different. It's a totally different experience, the two feet difference from the top of your bed to the floor. So anything, it doesn't have to be the kitchen table if that, you know, is going to work or the couch if the cushions shift and all that kind of stuff. Throwing a blanket on the floor and going down there offers a really different perspective and experience. I agree. I have to share with this. This is very personal, and I hope my kids aren't listening, but now they're grown up so they can hear it. But having sex in one of their bedrooms, and one of them had, like, stars on the ceiling, yeah. you know, like this astronomy, gave you a totally different perspective, which is what you're talking about. Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah, it's okay totally, to do that if they're not there. looking at something different. Yeah, doing something different. That's, that's, real, that's, that's so yeah, I think that's key. That this whole I keep going back to that whole thing about predictability, and we really have to stay away from that. Absolutely. And yet, at the same time, I think there's a danger. I just had a client, it's funny you should say that, who was saying, you know, we do this, and we've tried this, and they had tried bondage, and it was getting, you know, more serious, and they tried choking and all this kind of stuff. And, and I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute, you're upping the ante almost too much. Whatever happened to the candlelight dinner and the and the sensual massage and the foot rub, you know, whatever happened to that. So I think as much as we say we have to spice it up, I think sometimes the bringing it down is can be variety too, strangely enough, right? Yeah, just changing the rooms as we've been talking about or having sex on your porch or on the deck if nobody else can see you. There Absolutely. are just, yeah, uh, lots of different spaces and you don't really have, you can stay at home, you don't necessarily have to go out to a hotel or a motel. Although I think that's important, I think, to get away, to get new venues, don't you? I absolutely do. It's mentally important too, right? Just leaving everything behind, driving off together and, the, you know, off into the sunset and your cabin in the woods or wherever you go. We have a loft cabin that we go to twice a year. And cabin for me is jacuzzi tub and breakfast, you know, served under the, under the door in the morning kind of thing. That's roughing it. But just getting away and having that little retreat, you know, you want to do that in your bedroom, absolutely, but having that, you know, your, your special hotel room or your, the little cabin in the woods, whatever is, works for you guys that you can kind of go to, and it's your mental space too, right? I think that's important. Yeah, I think that's very important. I think so the like thing about your book is also that, you know, you can practice this with your partner and you don't have to have an affair. I mean, I think one of the most, let's face it, one of the reasons that men and women have affairs is because they're bored and they want to try something new, but they can try something new with their partner and they don't have to necessarily just have the new thing is another partner. So. Exactly. And excitement, desirability, you see that a lot in affairs, definitely, right? What I liked about this person is they did make me feel attractive. You know, they did make me feel desired. Coming out of that whole Fifty Shades again, I mean, I really think there's something there that, that the media really at large is missing about that series for some reason, But unless it's just my take on it. But I, I do really feel that way, that sense of being adored and, you know, really, really desired. I think both spouses in marriage are missing that, and, and I do think that's one of the reasons that people stray. So if you can bring that into your marriage, then, I mean, obviously that's fabulous. I think that's important. And then there's another piece to that. Yes, your partner needs to make, uh, I think, contribute to making you feel 
you're desirable and you're wanted, but then I think it's each partner's responsibility to maintain themselves so that they look desirable. I mean, you have a responsibility to take care of yourself and your hair and your body and your Absolutely. weight and your clothes, and it's not just, you know, you're with somebody for 10, 15 years and they're automatically going to be attracted to you if you don't take care of yourself. I think you, and I think also, and I'll speak about it in America, I think we kind of have literally lost sight of that. We get really sloppy and then expect somebody to be really crazy, madly attracted to us. And then we get mad when they, you see people get mad when they don't. And it's like, well, how about a shower? How about a haircut? You know, that might help. A little cologne, right? But that's a touchy subject because people don't always take it well. But you should love me regardless. And it's like, well, it's not like you, you had an accident and, and, you know, that's something that you couldn't help. Of course, then you're superficial if you don't love your partner. But for something that they could take personal responsibility for, I couldn't agree with you more. Even though it is a touchy subject and a lot of people don't want to own up to that. Absolutely, it goes both ways. You have to make yourself look as good as you can and I think you need to be on your best behavior in marriage I think for a lot of in a lot of couples certainly in my line of business I see couples who have lost those sort of basic manners in their marriage where they're not even nice to each other anymore and then they're wondering why the sex life is suffering I agree I think you know you're a communication specialist and I think that's that's all that is key uh, you have to be able to be respectful of your partner um, and when you're not, and when you're nasty, and you're mean, and that often happens. You know, you're like you're yes. really. You know, you'll find a couple they're really nasty to each other, and then expect to jump into bed together and uh, have. You know, I know, sex. and they've just been saying the most awful things, or or saying about their needs on and on. I will get often couples come in with these lists. I need this. I need. I need. I need. And I'm like, where where's your partner's needs in all of this? You know, when's the last time you thought about his or her need to feel appreciated or desired or respected or acknowledged, validated, all those kind of things, right? We're right, very good exactly. at focusing on our own needs, but not so good on the other side. Well, this has been a I've, I've learned a lot from you, aside from your book and uh, your website, which uh, we want to direct people to, which is what? Uh, it's you, just marriagesos.com. Marriagesos.com. Correct. Uh, and you can get... You can get 50 Ways to Play, BDSM for Nice People, online, bookstores everywhere. Uh, Great having you on the show today, Deborah. Thank you very much. We're going to um, say goodbye for a minute and take a short break. Coming up next are developers of the crazy, busy apps, John Schlossberg and Wendy Wright. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and we'll be back in a minute. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. Do you need directions to solid financial future? If so, the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with a roadmap to making smart money decisions in every area of your personal finances. Join Jordan every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern for the Money Answer Show on the Voice America Business Channel. Learn how and where to get the best deals on mortgages, cars, and insurance. Find out the best ways to save for college and retirement. Get out of debt, improve your credit rating, and save on your taxes. The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with great tips on investment opportunities in real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. 
Now there's a new destination for video content, voiceamerica.tv, just like our radio channels and so much more. Voice America Variety, Health and Wellness, Business, Sports, Green Talk, Power Up Motorsports, and 7th Wave Network now have their own video channel components. Plus, check out exclusive programming, including movies, music, educational courses, science and history, current events, and short features. High-definition, premier-quality programs available 24-7, voiceamerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise you. If you're a golf enthusiast and looking for some great golf properties in the desert southwest, you'll want to make the Golf Realty Network your weekly stop. Hosted by Jane and Al Anderson, the Golf Realty Network is all about living where you play, on the golf side. You'll hear from the course pros and vendors, while the real estate side will bring you the top agents and brokers who know how to market or find your golf community home. Tune in to the Golf Realty Network, Wednesdays at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern on Voice America Variety, and rebroadcast weekly on Voice America Sports. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You're listening to The Catherine Zox Show. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. We're back. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with the microphone, and you are listening to The Catherine Zox Show on VoiceAmericaVariety.com and World Talk Radio. My next guest, and I have two guests with me, Wendy Wright and John Schlossberg, and we are going to be talking about their crazy busy app, which they have developed, both of them. Um, and it uh, the app is based on Dr. Edward Hollowell's research and uh, professional experience as a child and adult psychiatrist who has been treating children and adults with ADD and ADHD for over 30 years. So, But we're going to be talking, this app, the specific app, is uh, refers to um, culturally induced ADD. So first we have to find out what that is and then what we can do about it, because I don't think it's a good thing. Welcome to the show. Nice to have you on, both of you. Thank you. It's great to be here. Thank Wendy you very and, much. Yes. Okay, Wendy and John, what is it? This is a new, this is an app based on a book, right, based on Dr. Hollowell's book? Yep, Dr. Hollow's the bestseller book, Crazy Busy, yep. and we came out with the app Crazy Busy Tips, um, very, very closely related to the book. So if you've read the book, um, not necessarily to say you wouldn't need the app, but you will find lots of familiar things within it. We've taken the context from the book and made it just a little bit more user-friendly so that you have it at your fingertips every day and you can apply as you're walking through your crazy busy life, you know, look at the different techniques that are in it, benefit from some of the um, applications that we have in there and just really have it with you versus a book, which you would, you know, have at home and not as a reference. Okay, well, we're talking about ADD, which, and culturally induced ADD, I guess, and you're going to, in the app tells us how to, as opposed to the ADD, where it, which is one inherits right. in your genes, this exactly. is something that we bring on ourselves. Um, this is something we bring on ourselves, yeah, or society brings on us as well. Dr. Hallowell, in his experience, kept meeting more and more and more people who might have had some level of ADD or no ADD at all, and yet acted as though they did have ADD. And why couldn't they focus? Why couldn't they get things done during the day? Someone with ADD sits down at a computer and they end up sitting there for 16 hours, you know, going off and off and off on all different websites and topics, but nothing 
nothing that they actually intended to get accomplished that morning. And he found that just your average person was facing the same reality. Um, if you think about a busy mom, for example, she might sit down at the, the breakfast table in the morning. She's got three kids to manage all over the place, plus her job, incoming mail, incoming phone. Um, a lot of people have a fax in the house, TVs on, not to even mention iPhone or email that's going to pop up throughout her day. So you can see that. But now, Wendy, you're adding an app to the whole yeah. situation. <laughs> you're so, so you're right. adding, are you adding another piece to this ADD? But before... I, I'm teasing in a way, but uh, I just want to make sure, because not everybody knows, you, I'm making the assumption that most people know what ADD stands for and the definition, and maybe before we go on, let's just give a very clear definition of what a, attention deficit disorder and what that is. Right. Attention deficit disorder um, found in about 10% of the population, more frequently in males than females, um, but really just an inability an inability to focus on one thing at a time, jumping from place to place to place to place. And it's, it's uh, Dr. Hallowell describes it really as having a race car brain with motorcycle brakes. So you just can't slow down fast enough. Your brain is going and going and going 24-7. So that's ADD. Right. And culturally induced ADD is what we bring on right. ourselves, as you've described. Exactly. So culturally induced ADD is acting as though, you know, instead of getting up and having that nice cup of coffee and chilling out for a minute, we race into the morning getting everything riled up and going because we seriously do not have time to stop and think. And you're right, Catherine, that we are bringing an app into it. <laughs> but hopefully um, it's an app that provides suggestions and helps individuals take a look at their life and bring it into control. There was just something on the net this morning. I, I don't know if you saw it. I think it was on the CNN web, website, but it was about uh, he's a, a comedian um, and a former lawyer who decided to to not use his cell phone for the day and his experience and and what he you know how he felt without the use of a cell phone throughout the day, which kind of uh -huh. made me think of your yeah of your app and and uh, it was very uncomfortable. He probably felt. Yeah, I thought I was going to say fish out of water. Yeah, <laughs> very <laughs> disconnected. He said he felt very disconnected, very much not you know not being able. To, he was in New York City and feeling very lonely because he couldn't connect to his emails. He couldn't you know right. read his emails every ten minutes or five minutes or whatever he did. So um, there was this whole feeling of disconnect. But we right. don't want to feel right. that. We want to feel good. So let's uh, we being able to kind of what prioritize how well, how's the Let's take us through the app. How's it going to help us? John. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, go ahead, John. Oh, so, so the first thing we do in the app is we ask people to take a self-assessment to see which areas they feel out of balance, um, under a lot of stress. So, for instance, is it email? Is it carpool driving? Is it trying to get enough exercise in? Is it school or work? And there's some, we ask some questions about um, trying to really zero in on, is this an important task? Do you have to do it? What's the value to you? Um, do you have to do it? And based on those scores, and you can choose um, several categories or just a couple, um, we give you lots of suggestions based on your score, you know, um, 
if it's carpooling. Give us a specific example. Let's take one of those categories. uh, To use me, I mean, I think my most difficult uh, area of uh, being able to control myself has to do with email. Um, So what what are some of the things that you, like if I, what, what are some of the criteria for maybe being too attached or using my email too much? What would some of those criteria be? Well, right, so first, go ahead. Go ahead, John. No, you go, please. Oh, so first, we would ask you about the effort that it takes from you. So, if email is something um, that you can just whiz through very, very quickly, it doesn't take a lot of your brain energy. It's not exhausting you. Then you would rate it as a very, you know, low effort. If it's something that you just dread and you you dread it every morning, for example, that would be a very high effort. So first, we would gather that information from you to get your opinion about email task. Then we would ask you about fulfillment. So like the lawyer that we were just talking about and the comedian, he he derived a lot of fulfillment, it sounds like, from his email and getting in touch with individuals, and then he was lacking and missing that during the day. So we would find out from you, are you fulfilled when you do that? I mean, is it the only time you get to check in with your friends? Maybe it's quite fulfilling. Or is your email filled with undone business or people you don't really want to work with every single day? In that case, it would be less fulfilling. So you would give us your opinion on how fulfilling or not fulfilling it is. And then lastly, as John was mentioning, we would ask you about necessity. So clearly, as a career professional, you must do some email, but maybe you don't need to do as much as you're doing, or maybe you should merge your personal email accounts with your work email accounts. It's just all right there for you. So anyway, we would get to the necessity of it, because if it is absolutely necessary, we can't encourage you in our advice to stop doing it. <laughs> that just wouldn't make sense, like taking care of family, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. So email, though, is one of those things that may not be as necessary as we believe. So you would honestly look at the, the scale and try to give us your best judgment. Then once we have those three categories figured out, effort, fulfillment, and necessity, we come back with like a very friendly uh, score that's sort of based on the stoplight, red, yellow, and green. So if you got a red on email for your score, that would be something that you would be receiving very, very low return for, um, probably not worth the investment of your time. So you could then analyze that and think about it. Is that true? Um, is that really how I feel about email? Um, if you got a yellow score, then we would be telling you, and this is, of course, all explained in the app, um, we would be telling you that this is a worthwhile activity, but yellow is, of course, cautionary, so you might want to take a step back and really think about the time allotted or, you know, just make a plan to better prioritize. And then if you got the green light, um, that would be very, very high value for you. So that would be a good way to spend your time. And most people will pick more than one category. So email might be out of whack, um, simple Internet use, smartphone, household chores, you know, whatever you'd like to pick. And then we rank all of these. So in that regard, you can see, oh, email actually, you know, most probably a yellow for you. I'm just going to guess. But you could then take a look at the greens that you have and balance, huh, do I, do I really want to have all of these in the yellow category or all of these in the green category? And then that's where the app helps you reallocate your energy and your effort uh, just to make your life more worthwhile and not to be constantly uh, like chasing this, this culturally induced ADHD that we, we all live in. Yeah, well, that's well said. And I, I guess what, and then what happens is, is, as I understand it, Dr. Hollowell's, what, 10 key principles for managing modern life, you apply this, that's what's in the app. Like you, you assess yourself first and find out where your areas of, of, 
not strength, but where your areas of weakness are in terms of uh, ADD, and then you have, like, very specific kinds of things we can do to manage ourselves? Exactly. So, for example, if we, we stick with the email example, um, one of Dr. Halliwell's 10 key principles is um, do what matters most. And so if email does help you feel connected and does help you feel fulfilled, then he, Dr. Halliwell, of course, would encourage you to continue with that. But then we would give you suggestions um, to take a look potentially at the time at which you're doing email, and you might then apply one of the tools within the app. We do have a timer stopwatch tool. So let's say you spend about an hour. You could set your iPhone up on the timer, let it count down, and it'll buzz when you hit that hour. And that way you won't be eating into other worthwhile time, and yet you will still get your fulfillment from the email. It just kind of keeps a check on our day so it doesn't get out of control for us. Is it sort of like you're, it, uh, it's, not, it, it's not mindful meditation, but I, you know, being aware of what you're doing and how it's affecting you, is, is that what you're talking about in each one of these areas? Yes, you have exactly being what mindful? we're talking about. Mm-hmm. You have to be mindful. You have to be very aware of the value to you. Um, in this culturally induced ADD, we have other people having their demands on us. Just by simply sending you an email, they are now demanding one or two minutes of your time. And is that okay with you or not? If it is okay and fulfilling, worthwhile, then you should be doing it. If it's not... What we're saying is that simple act of returning an unnecessary, unfulfilling email could be robbing you of time that would be fulfilling in another area. Again, if you can change that, maybe not instantly, um, but just being aware and working through it. Um, so many times if we're just aware and we can appreciate then the times when we are really in those fulfilling activities and rearranging calendars to make time more for those rather than silly emails. <laughs> But, so how do we do this without offending people? I mean, I have several people probably, relatives and friends, who constantly are sending me stuff, and they want to, and, and I feel right. that they want or need a response from me. And if I don't respond to them, they're going to be offended. Now, if it's something, you know, just people sending me advertisements and business stuff, I have no problem just deleting it and, and forgetting about it. Right. But what do you do about people that you are close to, and they continue to do that, people sending I have people, you know, pictures of their children and wanting me to respond or uh, photographs of their trips. And I can go on and on about, uh, but not just on occasion, but all the time. All the time, right, absolutely. And, and so I'm, I'm assuming from your, the, the tone of your voice and your comment that that's, of course, unfulfilling or just a little bit unnecessary. It's too much. And too much. Dr. Hallowell does have it's too much, yes. He has a section in his, in his book, and we have now translated it into the app, where he calls it leeches and lilies, where we even dive down further into areas, and that's exactly what you're doing. So now you've identified that email is important, email is somewhat fulfilling, but you have leeches in your email. So you have things that are taking the joy away. It's just too much. And it's almost like, I mean, you, can even, you don't want to use the word leech, of course, when you're telling somebody that this is too much, but you could just say, you know, I'm feeling as though I am overburdened by email. I will not respond to every single one that you send me. Feel free to continue sending, but I'll respond when I have time. And that way you can let them know you're receiving them, 
you appreciate them. However, you don't have time to respond. And that way you don't even need to open necessarily every email. But then when you did have a free moment or someone did have a new granddaughter or something that was of more value, um, you could you could respond quickly. So, Wendy, do you get feedback from people in terms of the app to have done that, for the suggestion that you just made, for instance? So when you do that, you don't necessarily offend your... I- friends and relatives, but, um, yeah, what kind of feedback have you gotten from people who use the app? Right. I, I haven't specifically gotten feedback on the leeches and lilies section, but we also have a section in there with the gratitude tracker. Um, so, again, lining up the parts of your life that you really need to pay attention to, some of them are necessary, maybe not fulfilling, but on, on a daily basis, just really tracking your gratitude and the things you are appreciative of. Dr. Hallowell and many other researchers have seen that that leads to a much more satisfying life, and it, again, helps you prioritize what really is important to you. You may think that email is important to you, but if you gratitude track for 30 days and look back and never once did you mention, I got a great laugh out of that email today, or it was so great to touch back and base with my college roommate from the email, you know, never once is it mentioned, perhaps it gives you a tool to look back and say, you know what? Maybe email isn't that important. Maybe personal letter writing or maybe visits or maybe family vacation should take priority here. So it really helps people not only initially fill out the app, but then gratitude track and then come back to, I thought that was important, but I'm really not finding value or gratitude around it. So that's the area that I'm getting the most feedback, where people are digging deep and really looking at themselves. So gratitude tracking, it applies to all the categories, all the categories yes, that we mentioned earlier, work, school, email, leisure, exercise. Um, any other categories besides that that we haven't t- mentioned or talked about? Yeah, a lot of the categories that we have in here are specific to households. So, for example, household chores and maintenance. People spend hours and hours doing that, and we have lots of suggestions about how to shorten those, group those, get assistance with those, because people find those necessary yet very, very unfulfilling. So those are the ones that we want to eliminate as much as possible from our lives. Um, commuting is another one. Lots of suggestions about how to reduce commute time, um, potentially work at home, all you know that sort of information. Um, caring for others is a big one as well. Some people find that extremely fulfilling. Other are locked in a pattern where they are an exclusive caregiver or something and maybe they didn't intentionally get into that position but they find themselves there. Um, So what can they do to slowly remove themselves or replace their efforts um, in other areas? And then we have things like family time, which is just simply stated, but, you know, is that enjoyable for you or not? And if it's not, you know, what's going on there and how can we make it more enjoyable? Volunteer time is one that people have really benefited from because they they tend to feel good about it, but it sucks up so much time that then it becomes a bad feeling. And so that's something that really has to be carefully watched because that's somebody else controlling your time. You want to do good, but there's a limit, and if you if you let yourself be overextended there, you really lose all of the benefit of doing the volunteer time. And yeah, then we the, have two religious re- time. the two that resonate with me are the, the gratitude yeah. time for the volunteer and the household. The volunteer, definitely, yes. because I'm a social worker, and, you know, social workers like to help, whether it's, whether it's professionally or volunteering, and being able to, to yep. balance that is always an issue, and everybody seems to have a really good reason about why I should volunteer my time. 
So, I, I mean, that one I, I probably need to take a look at. The household thing, though, how do you get away from that? I mean, you could spend a whole day, you know, you need to get the the vacuum cleaner fixed. You have to go get your car fixed or you have to get it, you know, maintained or maintenance every so often. I mean, there are certain things that are so that are just required and yet that can take up your entire day. Right, yeah. The household and maintenance is a really tricky one that the advice that Dr. Hallowell gives and that John and I put into the app really has a lot to do with doing a little bit, little teeny bit every day on um, suggestions <clears throat> excuse me, around that and also grouping tasks. So if you do have to get the vacuum cleaner fixed, put it in your trunk, right? And then the next time you're over there also returning the library books, sending the letter at the post office, that's the time to drop off the vacuum cleaner, not an individual separate trip that may take you 30 minutes also saves gas and commute time because you're going to driving around less. So really focusing on grouping tasks and being organized is really the, the help we can do. And then a lot of people, too, are burdened by household chores because they really haven't divvied them up appropriately amongst family members. And this app can sort of empower you to do that because if you look at your day, you don't have a whole day to do household chores. You know, you're working, you're volunteering, you might go to church, you might have a million other things to do. And um, having a resentment towards the household is certainly not going to bring pleasure to the house, to the family, to anything. So it, we really spend a lot of time talking about could this be spread around or simplified in some way. How did you guys, maybe John, you could answer this, how did you come up with, the, I mean, Dr. Howell, have you worked with him closely or you noticed that, I mean, obviously you uh, respect his work, but how did you come up with the app? How many apps do you have or how many have you developed? Um, so Wendy and I have done about five together. And we've done two with specifically with Dr. Hallowell. This is our second one. We did one earlier, um, kind of a basic ADHD, ADD sort of self-assessment. So on the, on the, as opposed to the culturally induced side, but on the medical side, um, some, some quick assessments that you can take yourself to decide if you think you have ADD, um, here's a hundred questions or so to really understand more about it, to assess yourself, and then based on that, um, should I hear some advice and should I seek professional help. help? So this kind of evolved, I guess, is what you're saying. You worked with him right. in terms of the ADHD, and the H stands for hyperactive, I guess, right? Hypersensitivity. Uh, Hyper, yeah. yeah. And now we're talking about eight, just the ADD, the uh, the culturally induced ADD. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, what's your prediction, either one of you? But Wendy, um, what, I mean, are we getting better, or are we getting worse, or what's happening? I mean, it seems to me that uh, they're just, in terms of the culture, there are more and more distractions, and the, so we have to really. Right. So it's maybe really important to get this app because you're going to have a lot more distractions to deal with in the future, not less. That's so true. Yeah, I, I think. <clears throat> excuse me. I think we are getting worse. I mean, if you just look at iPhone sales over the past weekend, <laughs> I mean, people are just going crazy for electronics and getting these things into their hands. And so, it's it's just the trend right now, and 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 everyone's being pulled. Um, and with the economy not as strong as we would like, you know, people are are just really really desperate to work hard and make things work. And uh, I'm seeing the stress on on all ends. So yeah, definitely. I think this sort of focus, regardless to use an app or just a gratitude tracker or, you know, any internal look at yourself to say, am I really doing what matters most? Because if you're not, you're just kind of squandering away the time and the years will go by. 
And, and I'll just, we only have a couple minutes left, and I'll just add, I always give myself as a case example, someone who is never into electronics and all that kind of stuff, and I'm like, I love it. I can't wait to see if I can master the next iPhone 5 or whatever it is. You know, 10 years ago, I never thought I would find myself in this position, and, and then I'm sure, you know, in my situation and millions of other pe- people like myself, are, so it's getting, it definitely is getting worse, not better. But let's talk, because with a couple minutes left, um, specifically, uh, do you have a website we can go to? How do we get the app? You know, uh, let's be specific about that. Absolutely. So the app is available in the iTunes store, Crazy Busy Tips. You can also search Dr. Hallowell, and all of his apps will come up. Um, we have a website, um, Crazy Busy with Dr. Hallowell, which lists a whole bunch of information on there, and, as well as access to a weekly newsletter with additional Crazy Busy tips that are also accessible through the app. It's 100% free to try, and you get to rate your own categories and then get a complete feedback on two of the categories that you select. So individuals who are skeptical or who aren't sure if this might be too much of a time commitment going in can try it for free. So it will be a bit of a time commitment, 10 or 15 minutes invested, uh, but no financial commitment. And then if you determine that this is a tool for you, um, it's $1.99 to upgrade, and then you have full functionality of, of the gratitude tracker. Terrific. Um, we have to say goodbye. Else. we got 30 mm-hmm. seconds left, so crazy Busy app. Uh, thanks so much for being on the show, Wendy Wright and John Schlossberg. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker. With the microphone, we have to say goodbye, unfortunately. I could keep on going, but I uh, hope you had a great uh, morning, and uh, we'll see you next week. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode of The Catherine Zox Show. You can listen live every Thursday morning at 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America channel. Want to know more about Catherine? Visit her website at www.catherinezox.com Be sure to join us next week for more interviews and great conversations with Catherine Zox.